0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. A real actual welcome to the folks listening on KYKN in Salem, Oregon. Uh, Delighted to have you with me. You're wondering who the heck is this guy? And we have to put up with that voice. Yes, it's true. I've got a face for radio and a voice for print. And here I am, uh, broadcast nationwide from my flagship station, WSB, in Atlanta, Georgia. Really glad to have you guys on board. Welcome. Hope the weather is great where y'all are, because it ain't where I am. It is really cold. Uh, It is just going to be cold throughout the next several days around where I am. I'm supposed to actually go hit some golf balls when I'm done with the show today, and I'm having to, like, I probably have to put on long johns or something to be on the golf course. Goodness. In any event, y'all didn't come for that. You came for news. I've been thinking, which is always a dangerous thing. I actually have been thinking about the Supreme Court situation with Breyer. Who does he go with? There's an effort uh, underway to tar and feather Elias Shapiro, who is one of the great legal minds in Washington, D.C. You may never heard of, of him, but he actually is a highly respected lawyer in Washington on a bipartisan basis. He is a libertarian conservative. He's worked with a number of uh, conservative and libertarian-leaning organizations. He's now been hired by Georgetown University Law School. And the other day he said there's only one pick Biden can make. Every other pick will be a lesser pick but instead of going with this pick because this pick is a a south asian i believe indian man he's going to pick an inferior black woman and it was the inferior black woman line the left pounced on to try to get ilia shapiro canceled say oh he's a racist no if you believe that this indian man is the superior candidate above all others well then when biden says i'm gonna go with a black woman uh, that black woman is definitely inferior to the superior person. You can say it was a poorly worded tweet, but the left is trying to cancel this guy because they really don't like that Georgetown University Law School has hired uh, one of the most prominent libertarian conservatives in America to be in charge of a uh, program at that law school. They're trying to cancel him. This could be, uh, by the way, it's just a willful, willful misreading of his tweets to claim he was racist. But they are, they're hopping mad about it. And I I started thinking about this. That got me thinking about the data and how to process this Supreme Court pick. So the generic ballot average for Republicans, that is, do you prefer Republicans to Democrats? Let me give you uh, the numbers In 2010, the generic ballot was GOP plus three, and the actual final House popular vote wound up being GOP plus seven. In the 2014 cycle, it was uh, Republicans plus 0.5. The final House popular vote wound up being uh, GOP plus 5.7. Now keep in mind, uh, there we had come through a redistricting in 2010. And uh, in, in those those were impacted in 2012. Um, well, now in 2018, you have dim plus eight in the generic ballot. And the actual popular vote wound up being DIM plus nine. Now I'm rounding up. It was DIM 7.9, and D- the actual ballot was DIM 8.6. So let's walk back through this again so you get my point here. In 2010, the generic ballot polling average was Republicans up 3.2%, and the Republicans actually wound up taking the popular vote by 6.8%. In 2014, the generic ballot said the GOP was favored by the public five-tenths of one percent, the GOP popular vote gain was actually 5.7 percent. In 2018, uh, the generic ballot said the Democrats were favored 7.9 percent, and the Dems actually wound up getting 8.6 uh, percent more of the popular vote than the GOP for House races. Right now, right now, right now, the Republican generic ballot is GOP is favored 4.1%. This is the most the GOP has ever been favored in the generic ballot going back to 2010. In 2010, it was the Republicans were favored 45.6% to 42.4%. They wound up actually getting 6.8% more of the popular vote than the Democrats. There's a big shift. So here we are today. Republicans are up 4.1 percent of the generic ballot. The election is in November. Events can change things. Things can change. But that's not good for the Democrats. And thus, it is not good for Joe Biden's pick for the Supreme Court. Why? Well, let's be clear here. This is really important for you to understand. The Democrats can put on whoever they want as long as they get 50 votes plus Kamala Harris. I know Lawrence Tribe and others have said the vice president can't cast a tie-breaking vote for a judicial pick, but it's already been done several times. The Senate has allowed it. No one's challenged it, so precedent is set. It can. You need 50 Democratic votes. But you have Raphael Warnock in Georgia. Two public polls have come out that have Herschel Walker, the presumed Republican nominee, beating Warnock in Georgia already. And we're in January. Now, things could change. Walker's got some issues. The Democrats will rough him up. But he's winning right now. In Arizona, Mark Kelly is losing to a generic Republican. They don't even have a nominee. No one. It's not clear who's going to be the Republican nominee in Arizona. And Mark Kelly's already losing to him. In Nevada, Catherine Cortez Masto, I think her name is, the Democrat, it's tied between her and Adam Laxalt now. If Biden goes for broke and goes far left, the Republicans can't stop that person, but they can run a media campaign aggressively against that person and point out just how far left that person is. The wokes are deeply unpopular right now. The left, the far left, the progressives are deeply unpopular right now. The generic ballot favors the Republicans, and Democrats have gone into hiding every time Biden shows up. Stacey Abrams would not appear on a campaign stage with Joe Biden in Georgia. She said she was sorry she was getting her hair done or had some other prior commitment. It's not just her. A pattern is emerging. Joe Biden is headed to Pennsylvania to do a a thing on infrastructure. A bridge, by the way, has collapsed in Pennsylvania before Biden gets there, giving him a perfect opportunity to sell infrastructure and the need for federal upgrades. Two of the three leading Democrats on Pennsylvania statewide ballot this spring who were invited to appear won't attend. The lieutenant governor, the leading Senate candidate and the state's attorney general, Josh Shapiro, the likely nominee for governor, won't be there. Connor Lamb, who is perceived to be a moderate, and he's not that moderate, he will be on stage. He's been a longtime Biden supporter. He's based out of Pittsburgh. He's going to show up. The other two want nothing to do with Joe Biden. Stacey Abrams went into hiding. Democrats disappear when Biden comes near. They go hiding. They go hiding when Biden comes near. You got the generic ballot uh, has the Republicans at their highest percentage in more than a decade. You've got the Senate up for grabs in a 50-50 Senate. Good luck, Joe Biden, on your Supreme Court pick. This person's going to have to be the most thoroughly vetted person in the country. And listen, in the past, Republicans have been far more respectful to Democrat picks than the Repo- than the Democrats ever have been to Republicans. I don't think that the Democrats understand how much fire they're playing with because the media is on their side. The media has taken their side. Look at how the media coordinated attacks on Brett Kavanaugh. Look at how the media attacked Amy Coney Barrett for adopting children. They attacked her for that. They attacked Neil Gorsuch and that was another thing. Neil Gorsuch was just replacing Antonin Scalia and they still couldn't help themselves and caused the last of the judicial filibuster to die. They can't help themselves. Go back to Clarence Thomas. Go back to uh, Robert Bork. The Democrats play far nastier when it comes to nominations than the Republicans ever have, in large part is because they control the media. So the media can attack these people in ways they've never been attacked by Republicans. Republicans. The Republicans have learned their lesson the Republicans are going to go after whoever this person is. They kind of have to go after whoever this person is. And in so doing, if Joe Biden goes as liberal as the progressives want, and keep in mind, Joe Biden has humored the left on everything and couldn't get them voting rights, and he couldn't get a bill back better, so he kind of needs to get them a known confirmed Supreme Court progressive to replace Stephen Breyer. Keep in mind, Stephen Breyer was of the left, but he wasn't as far left as the left wants him to be. Stephen Breyer was pretty chamber of commerce on business issues, and the left hates that these days. But Jim Clyburn, Joe Biden owes him. Joe Biden owes Jim Clyburn, because without Jim Clyburn rallying black voters in South Carolina, Biden probably would not have been the Democratic nominee. Jim Clyburn wants someone named Michelle Childs. She's a district judge in South Carolina, U.S. District Court for the District of South Carolina. I'm kind of uh, enamored with the idea, in large part because she went to The University of South Florida for her bachelor degree and the University of South Carolina for her JD. She got an LLM from Duke. She's not an Ivy League. She's not a Harvard. She's not a Yale. She's not a Princeton. She's not a Columbia. She's not an Ivy Leaguer. The best is Duke, and that was an LLM. She went to the University of South Carolina for law school. She's from South Carolina. She's a liberal. The problem is, does she have what it takes? I would assume so, getting an LLM from Duke. but she's somewhat unknown to the progressive community in Washington. The progressive community in Washington has their preferred picks. Keep in mind Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The Republicans gave her a pass. She was the counsel for the National Organization of Women. She was a known left-wing feminist. The Republicans gave Elena Kagan a pass. She was the Solicitor General. She had been a Harvard professor. She had, I think, taught Ted Cruz in law school or some such. A lot of Republicans who'd gone to Harvard Law School had had Elena Kagan as a professor, and they loved her. They like her. Antonin Scalia lobbied for her. He wanted her, not Sotomayor. The Republicans gave Kagan a pass. They gave Sotomayor a pass. The Democrats didn't do that with Gorsuch. They didn't do it with Kavanaugh. They didn't do it with Barrett. So the Republican gloves have come off, and they've come off at a time where Democrats out on the campaign trail are hiding when Joe Biden shows up. He's that unpopular. Only a third of Americans care for Joe Biden. In Georgia, Biden's popularity is 31%. That's his total approval rating, 31%. Raphael Warnock, going to vote for a radical progressive for the Supreme Court? He's going to lose his Senate race. Mark Kelly in Arizona? He's going to lose this in a race. If President Biden puts a big, huge, well-known progressive who's soft on crime and big on left wing social policy on the Supreme Court, it's a pretty big indicator the Democrats know the Senate is done. They might as well go for broke and rally around this person, put a progressive on the Supreme Court because they're done. The problem with that thinking, though, is that it then has cascading effects into the House of Representatives. It has cascading effects into the state gubernatorial elections. It has cascading effects for the Democrats around the country. They got to play this right. When Stephen Breyer announced he was retiring, well, actually, when they jumped the gun and leaked it and he was livid, he's still going to do it. Progressives thought finally we can get someone to the left of Breyer on the Supreme Court. Finally we can do this. You really can't, though, without destroying the Senate's controlled by Democrats and the Houses controlled by Democrats and several Democratic governors out there. You can't do that now. Biden's too unpopular, and so are the Democrats, and so are the wokes. You overplayed your hand, and now you can't get what you want unless you grab hold of it, push it through with all your might, and then you're going to lose everything else and still have a 6-3 conservative majority on the Supreme Court. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. You know, how bad is it? It's bad. Um, This is, this is it's bad for the Democrats, at least. The growing list of vulnerable Democrats, it's it's a big list. So they're rearranging priorities in the House of Representatives. They are pouring money into what's called the frontline list, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Uh, Josh Gothheimer of New Jersey is going to get some money. Dan Kildee from Michigan, Jennifer Wexton of Virginia, they're all going to get money. Uh, But there's a problem. A lot of those people are in like Biden plus five and higher districts. These are not vulnerable Democrats, or at least they shouldn't be. And yet they are. And 29 House Democrats have retired. You know, Nancy Pelosi announced that she's going to stay on. Nancy Pelosi has decided that she's going to stick around. Everyone knew she was going to retire. Even her staff had started leaving. Staff members of Pelosi's, senior staff who had been with her, who were loyal to her, were going out and getting new jobs. Pelosi, Pelosi wasn't fundraising. Like, this, is, this is all it. She's retiring. And now suddenly this week, she surprised everybody. She surprised her house college. She surprised senior house Democrats by announcing instead, she's going to run for reelection. She kind of had to. Why? Because Jim Cooper of Tennessee is the 29th House Democrat to announce he's retiring. This is worse than in 2010. In 2010, it was 35 Democrats, but you didn't get to 35 until July. We're at 29, and it's not even the end of January. She couldn't be the 30th. She could not bring herself to be number 30. So she stayed. Now, here's my guess. My guess is that uh, if she wins re-election and they've lost power, she's going to go on and quit. There'll be a special election. Paul Ryan did that. This has happened in the past. She'll just go on and quit. I think Paul Ryan, maybe Paul, no, no. Paul Ryan didn't do that. I take that back. He served out the term, uh, but but didn't run again. Uh, but it's happened, and she might as well do that. She can't bring herself to be number 30. What a message that would send. All the rats are fleeing. It's bad for them. Uh, but what, what what I find notable here, though, is that a lot of the Democrats who are getting the money from the DCCC, that's the campaign wing of the House Democrats. A lot of the Democrats who are getting this money should not be vulnerable. Some of them are in D plus 10 seats. That's not vulnerable unless the Democrats are seeing something. The rest of us aren't. And I have a theory on what they're seeing. I think I know what's going on here. When you take Trump out of the equation, the polling shifts to the GOP. A lot of people did not like Donald Trump. And the polling is based on turnout and typically uses the presidential vote to decide how far a district is right or left. When you take Trump out of the equation, when you look at a different race, look at a governor's race, look at a senator's race, it's not nearly as favorable to the Democrats. So all the polling has been skewed by people's antipathy for Donald Trump. You take him out of the equation, in every case, everything shifts back to the GOP. So a lot of these D plus 10 districts may actually only be D plus three or four district. The polling has been skewed because of Donald Trump. It's people are going to figure this out when the election comes and they're not going to know what hit them from the left. This is why the Democrats are having to pour money into this. When we come back, one group that's going to be useless, Black Lives Matters, the whole place has been thrown into chaos. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. You're more than welcome to call in. So I I broadcast out of Atlanta, and one of the major corporations in Atlanta, in Georgia is Delta Airlines. I love Delta Airlines. It is the best of the airlines. I'm not an American Airlines fan by any stretch of the imagination. I used to like Continental and then Continental and United merged and I don't care for United that much. and, And the new merged airline isn't that great? You know, Northwest merged into Delta. Oh, I guess I was in law school or or sometime thereafter, Northwest and Delta merged. And um, it's, they did a good job with that merger. We've got what? We got Southwest, which was a merger with Airtran. We've got Alaska. We got Delta. We've got uh, American. We've got United. You got Allegiant. Uh, There are a few other airlines in there, but, you know, the big ones are Delta American United, and Delta of them is the best. Southwest has a cult following, uh, and there's a major Southwest hub now in Atlanta. It used to be an AirTran hub until they merged. Southwest has a cult following, particularly among my friends in Texas. They love it. Never been a big fan. In large part, I like to sit in first class. Yes, I'm spoiled. I like the big seat. I'm a big guy. I like the big seat up front where I can stare at you as you walk past to go sit behind me. (laughs) I kid, I kid because I love, Uh, but you know, Delta does a good job, but Delta during the George Floyd situation, hoisted the black lives matter flag above uh, its campus. And a lot of employees were not happy. In fact, uh, I heard from a lot of Delta employees that they were being pressured to wear Black Lives Matters pins. And it wasn't just them. In some parts of the country, including Louisville, Kentucky, businesses were approached and asked to put Black Lives Matter signs in their business windows. And, and the, the suggestion was, when the rioting comes, they'll see it. And like the blood of the lamb over the door, you'll be spared by the angel of death, also known as the rioters. I mean, that's essentially what it was. It was a shakedown scheme. Express your solidarity with Black Lives Matters, or your business is going to be burned to the ground. In Atlanta... After the George Floyd riots, the, the area of Buckhead, which is now uh agitating for secession from the city of Atlanta. It's a wealthy northern uh, enclave of Atlanta. It's the financial district of Atlanta. Where a lot of millionaires, a few billionaires live up there. They want their own city now because the city of Atlanta under Keisha Crimeway Bottoms, the last mayor there, did a very poor job of taking care of the residents of Buckhead. And there's been a big crime wave. One guy was literally just jogging down the road and random hoodlum decided to gun him down. All of this agitation coming in, of course, uh, the riots are organized in some way and the messaging and communications have come from the Black Lives Matters organization. A lot of people say, well, the organization is different from the actual support of Black Lives. Yes, true, but Black Lives Matters, the organization, became the galvanizing organization for so much of the agitation in the country over the last year. People want to deny that, but it's the truth, and it's a problem. It's a a real and serious problem. Well, the Black Lives Matters organization has its problems. You know, the organization is a communist organization, or I guess I should say socialist, but pretty much communist. I mean, they they talk about wanting to overthrow uh, the Western uh, capitalist system and Western family values and end the Hetero patriarchy. I mean, this this organization is far left, radical organization. When enough conservatives pointed out their wackadoo beliefs in their mission statement, they uh, memory hold their mission statement as if it didn't it didn't actually ever exist. They denied in some cases that it ever existed when it had been there for everyone to see. And now there's a problem. Uh, Andrew Kerr, the investigative reporter at the Washington Examiner, has a story out about Black Lives Matters and who's actually in charge now. Remember, this organization was essentially doing shakedowns of major corporations like Jesse Jackson used to do back in the Rainbow Push days, or Al Sharpton show up and, and your business is going to get it unless you give us money. We're going to protest your corporate shareholder meeting and claim you're a bunch of racists unless you do Diversity pushes with our organization. Give us money and we may leave you alone. It's what they do. Andrew Kerr at the Washington Examiner writes, no one appears to have been in charge at Black Lives Matter for months. The address it lists on tax forms is wrong. The charity's two board members won't say who controls its $60 million bankroll. A Washington Examiner investigation found BLM's shocking lack of transparency surrounding its finances and operations rages major legal and ethical red flags. Multiple charity experts said like a giant ghost ship full of treasure drifting in the night with no captain, no discernible crew and no clear direction. Charity watch executive director Lori Styron said of BLM. Oh, she's going to get her house burned down. BLM co-founder Patrice Cullors appointed two activists to serve as the group's senior directors following her resignation in May amid uh, scrutiny over her personal finances. Isn't this the woman who bought the multi-million dollar house in LA? Both quietly announced in September they had never taken the jobs due to disagreements with Black Lives Matter. They told the Washington Examiner they don't know who now leads the nation's most influential social justice organization, Paul Kaminer. Counsel for Conservative Watchdog Group, the National Legal and Policy Center, said a full audit and investigation into the Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, the legal entity that represents the National BLM movement, is warranted. This is grossly irregular and improper for a nonprofit with sixty million dollars. BLM came under fire from local black activists after the New York Post published in April that Colors, then the executive director, had spent three point two million on real estate across the United States. The report followed BLM's disclosure in February of last year that it closed out 2020 with $60 million in its bank account. Colors announced in May she was stepping aside, named two people to be in charge. Those two people decided not to uh, be in charge. The two remaining BLM board members, Shalomia Bowers and Raymond Howard, did not return requests for comment. Bowers serves as the treasurer for multiple activist organizations run by Colors, including BLM PAC, a Los Angeles based jail reform group that paid Colors $20,000 a month and dropped nearly $26,000 for meetings at a luxury Malibu Beach resort. Howard has spoken openly on Facebook about his work with BLM and his close relationship with Colors. Uh, where'd all the money go? Where'd all the money go? On Tuesday, a Washington Examiner reporter attempted to request Black Lives Matters 2020 Form 990 in person at the charity's office in Los Angeles, which the group disclosed as the location its books are stored in previous filings. Only to be told by security guard there had never been a Black Lives Matters office at that location. An unidentified BLM spokesperson informed the Washington Examiner on Thursday the group does not currently maintain a permanent office and offered to mail a copy of the 990. Uh, that's not proper. I used to do nonprofit law. Um this is not proper or ethical. How many American corporations got shaken down by Black Lives Matter? Delta was one. How many other American corporations gave money? And you know what it is? Back in the day, the Catholic Church, what was it called? You, you could pay money and uh, get yourself out of purgatory. That's all this is. That's all this is. It's, it's a religious payment by corporations to absolve themselves of their sins. They get to virtue signal and say, we're with them. They represent our values. No, they don't. They actually call for the destruction of Western capitalism and corporate America. So they don't really share your values, but you know the way it works. You give them money and they're going to keep you at arm's length. We'll come for them last. They keep giving us money. We'll go after Fox News first. That's what they do. Now there are $60 million somewhere, or is there? Do we know if there actually is? And who's gonna go after them? Do you really think the IRS is gonna go after Black Lives Matters? When you got the entire conservative movement to go after? Why why, why would they waste their time on Black Lives Matters? It would be inherently racist to go after Black Lives Matters. Black Lives Matters, you'd get every corporation in America and no, you can't go after them because then would we have to get rid of the, the tax deduction? Would we have to like pay taxes on the money we gave them? No, don't go after them. It's a shakedown scheme premised on racism. The race hucksters have it real easy in this country, particularly with the Democrats in charge. They can do this sort of stuff and get away with it and rip off corporate America. They've been doing it for years. Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, they've been doing this sort of stuff for years. They pioneered the form of the shakedown of corporate America in the name of racial justice. And time and time again, it always ends up the exact same way. And now this time it's Black Lives Matters. I could have told you two years ago this was going to happen. I might have told you then that this was just going to be a shakedown scheme. and It was going to end badly, and no one was going to be able to account for any of it. And that's exactly what's happening right now. And I want you to note something. It's the Washington Examiner, a conservative newspaper in Washington, that has broken the story. Andrew Kerr is a brilliant reporter, a brilliant investigative reporter who broke the story. You will not hear major media outlets do anything about the story. Why? Because they're in solidarity with Black Lives Matters, not in solidarity with the truth or the people who lost their money to this organization. Let's go to the phones. Tony, you're going to be up first. Welcome to the program. How are you?
1: Hi, uh, how you doing? Um, I, I just have something to say about this. Biding with the Supreme Court Justice woman. Yeah. When are we going to wake up as, uh, as black people and stop letting them make us feel like we're stupid enough? We're not smart enough to go get our own ID and vote. With since they say they 're going to pick someone black, so now we we'll 're all go vote for him it's just it 's constantly insulting us, thinking that we can just follow the leader and not think of ourselves, think think on our own and it 's just ridiculous. We know what this is about you 're going to you 're going to choose this woman so we can think, "Oh, look, he chose somebody black, so when the midterm elections come, we can all go run down and vote because he chose a a black woman. He's constantly insulting us, and nobody's saying anything about it. He's really the racist, if you really look at him. I mean, it's ridiculous, and we continue to keep playing this game. Can somebody just call it out? We're not stupid. I'm an African-American man. I would not vote for Joe Biden if he had Martin Luther King at his VP. It's ridiculous. He <laughs> is doing stuff that doesn't make any sense. Somebody please call it out for what it is. We are smarter than that. We're not dumb. We can think for ourselves. Well, you you know, I I gotta tell
0: you, listen, first of all, amen, hallelujah, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, Thank you for your phone call as well. But, you know, uh, people on the left don't agree with you on that. This is from The View yesterday, complaining about Clarence Thomas.
1: Well, you know, you could make the case
0: that that somebody like Amy Coney Barrett uh, was put in there Because she's a white woman who they say, well, she'll go against abortion rights, and she's a woman. So that was deliberate, I think. Clarence Thomas, a a black guy, a black man, a justice, okay, I'll give it to him. He's a smart guy. But he is to the right of Attila the Hun, this guy. And they put him in there thinking, oh, a black man will go against voting rights, which is what he does. And it was... Oh, you, you see that? You see that? He's a black man, but he's not really a black man. He may be smart, but he's not really a black man because he doesn't do what black people want. As if it's a uniform homogenous group. This is part of the problem that black Americans are starting to realize is that the Democrats think they all think the same or they're not allowed to think at all. And it's starting to come back to them. It's, it's, it's a problem. That Amy Coney Barrett isn't authentically a woman because she doesn't support abortion. Clarence Thomas isn't authentically a black man because he doesn't support uh, the Democrats' voting rights agenda. Really? And by the way, notice that was a bunch of white people talking. Ah, yes. Uh, The same white people who use Latinx when no one else in the Latino community does. Indulgences, by the way, that's the word I was thinking of. It came to me during the call with Tony, indulgences. You could pay an indulgence and, and get out of purgatory. Help build the Vatican. Well, uh, Delta Airlines and other major corporations could pay indulgences to Black Lives Matters to keep them from burning them down. It's the way it works in America these days. You know, you can fight against this. You can fight against it by doing something very simple. Change your cell phone provider to a conservative company. I know. You don't have to boycott, but boycott, Uh, support a company that supports your values. Patriot Mobile does. They give a portion of their profits to the pro-life movement, to the Second Amendment cause, to the conservative movement in general. They uh, donate a portion of their profits to keep the conservative moment going. The left has been doing this for years. The right finally got on board with Patriot Mobile. They use the same cell phone towers, everybody else does. They use the same teletowers at and and Verizon use. So you get great service with them. You get data, 5G, voice, you name it, from Patriot Mobile. And you get free activation with my name by going to PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. PatriotMobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. Or you can call them. They've got 100% U.S.-based customer service. 972 Patriot. They give great discounts. Veteran, first responder, NRA member, teacher, large family, you name it. They give you good discounts. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. And you can do business with a company that actually wants you. And shares your values. Howdy. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number. I would enjoy talking to you. Maybe. It is 877-973-7425. If you would like to be a part of this program. I've been talking to you a lot. About school choice in America. And I have said. It would be insane for Republicans. Not to embrace school choice. In Florida, it's what helped Ron DeSantis beat Andrew Gillum in a very close election because Andrew Gillum took the position that Jeb Bush's education reforms that included uh, some robust school reforms and school choice initiatives needed to go. And black families and Hispanic families shifted towards the Republican Party in the polling. It's a pretty big deal and it's insane for the gop nationwide not to realize you give parents this choice particularly now in the the coronavirus situation you got a republican controlled state you got a republican governor you got a republican legislature get school choice passed and in so doing you give parents essentially an entitlement and then dare the democrats to take it back the latest state to advance this is the state of georgia House Bill 999, Wes Cantrell, friend of mine, state representative, put, has put together, get this, pay attention to this, a bipartisan, multiracial coalition, black and white, male and female, Democrat and Republican. They have come together on a school choice initiative. It would create a voucher. I think it's a $6,000 payment. It would be the state money would follow the kids into private school. Any child who has spent six weeks in a public school and finds it's not working for them would be able to take that $6,000 to offset the cost of private education. Some private schools would treat it as a scholarship and give it to them out of the gate. It's a great idea. It's a start. It's a way to get kids out of failing public schools. It has bipartisan support. It has support across racial lines. It's a good first step that Georgia should go forward with. You know who the chief impediments are? The Republicans. The Republicans are the chief impediment to this. You got some Democrats on board. The Republicans should do this in Georgia. House Bill 999. If you live in Georgia, you should thank Wes Cantrell for what he's doing. It's 2022 and guess what? Nothing still makes sense. The whole world seems to be going crazy right now and banks have gotten really skittish at helping small businesses. They're perfectly happy to help the giant businesses. But what about you? You're a small business. You got to buy a building or build a building or you need a big loan for a fleet of vehicles to grow your business. And the banks are giving you a hard time. Check out my friends at First Liberty Building and Loan. They can help you nationwide wherever you are. If you're a small business and you need access to loans, let's say 500,000 and up, First Liberty can do it. They've been doing this since the early 90s. The Frost family are friends of mine. They're committed Christians, and they're great business people, and they are committed to small businesses. Reach out to them. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. FirstLibertyGA.com. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if they're a good fit for you. See if you're a good fit for them. They want to help you get to yes, where the big banks are saying no. Nationwide, they can help you if you're a small business. FirstLibertyGA.com is the website. FirstLibertyGA.com.